We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Luke chapter 15. Just as a starting off point, we're going to read verses 11 through 24. You guys are the early birds, right? That means you're alert, you're ready, going to catch on to everything that's said. Everybody got it? Amen? I'm going to read verses 11 through 24. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Verse 14, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Amen. God's word. Um, as every good pastor, uh, Calvary Chapel pastor or teacher does, I started looking things up in, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, and in my case, in the Spanish. Um, I looked up the word father, and I got to say I was disappointed, <laughs> a little bit disappointed. All it said in Hebrew, Greek, was the male parent. That's it. That's it. That's, at least in Spanish it said, el padre masculino makes it sound nice and macho, right? But, but everything else is just the male parent, right? And I thought about it and I'd say, I said to myself, well, that would be like calling a male lion just a boy kitty. You know, it's like, there's not, not much umph behind it, right? 
But let me tell you something. Being a father is more than just being a male parent. Okay? It, it, it entails so much more. It's such a privilege, such a responsibility. Amen? And that's what we want to talk about today. As a matter of fact, um, I looked up some quotes on fatherhood that I'd like to share with you. I, I, I thought they were quite touching and poignant, and I'd like to read some of them to you. See what you guys think, okay? These are not found in the Bible, but they, they are relevant, okay? First one I read was, any fool can be a father, but it takes a real man to be a dad. The most important thing a father can do for his children, I love this one, is to love their mother. Another one says, I don't care how poor a man is, if he has family, he's rich. This one just applies to me so well. The worst misfortune that can happen to an ordinary man is to have an extraordinary father. Another one. Small boys become big men through the influence of big men who care about small boys. When a father gives to his son, both laugh. When a son gives to his father, both cry. I kind of manipulated this one, but it says, Fathers, tell your daughters not to love anything or anyone that can't love them back. If you guys have daughters, you talk to your girls. Amen? Another one that hits you right where it counts. It says, One night, a father overheard his son pray, Dear God, make me the kind of man my daddy is. Later that night, the father prayed, Dear God, make me the man my son thinks I am. Pretty good stuff, right? It only adds to the the privilege and and uh, the mystique of being a father. It is a great responsibility. So I looked up that definition, and all it said was male parent. No big deal, right? But then I stopped and thought. What I want you guys to do right now is, when you hear the word father, what images, what ideas in your heart does it conjure up? Okay? I'll speak from my personal point of view. This is what my dad, my earthly dad, brought to, to mind when I think of him. Um, dignity and courage. Um, when, when someone says to you, share from your heart, I think that gives you the, the right and the privilege to say something about your dad, right? Well, I never met a braver man. He was, uh, in my point of view, so, so dignified. He loved his country, he loved his family. 
um, a war veteran. <laughs> you never seen a shorter man with such a big pride when it came to his country. I mean, when he when he heard someone sing the national anthem, he stood up. He put his hand over his heart. Didn't matter where he was. There was no one harder working. He was a loving authority in our house. He loved us to death. He was a loving husband. Um, being the eldest of the family um, was a sincere advantage. I mean, I have memories of my dad that perhaps my brother doesn't, and because there is 10 years difference between us. I, I just remember him being this tremendously loving husband to my mom. I mean, he did all the, the correct things. He worked hard, brought home the bacon, um, took care of her, watched after her, um, lifted her up in the view of all to see and said how special he was. I mean, he talked from anything from the smile on her face to the fact that she can make the best tortillas in town. Um, but he was also that man who loved that woman, which was a big example to me. I remember um, he used to take us to Mexico every year, at least three times a year, two months at a, two months at a time, a week at a time, two weeks at a time. We'd always go down there. And it wasn't for him. It was for us and my mom, because she was the one from Mexico. He was born and raised here in San Gabriel, California. But he was so giving, so uh, sacrificial. But during one of those trips, I saw what it was like for a man to love a woman. It wasn't just the dad loving the mom. It was the husband loving his wife. Um, we're on this desert road a dirt desert road where all you saw were coyotes and jackrabbits and the stars up in the sky. And we were driving along, it must have been two or three o'clock in the morning, okay, on the way to the ranch to visit our family. He pulls over in the middle of nowhere. He puts on some ranchera music and he takes my mom by the hand And in the headlamps of the car and under the moonlight, he asked her to dance. I thought to myself, Ugh. no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was old enough already. I must have been about 14 years old. And I thought to myself, man, He knows how to love. Our Heavenly Father teaches us how to love. Have we learned? Other things that come to mind. Hard working. I said that, but it's worth saying again. <laughs> he was the boss. And at times, 
we did feel his wrath. Okay? I used to have, I won't say what he used to hit me with, but if I, if I dwell on it long enough, I can still feel the welts on my butt. You know, perhaps think my dad went overboard, but that's how he was taught. And believe me, it kept me in line. At times there was punishment, but there was always dedication, always hope, always steadfastness, always forgiveness, and always love. Always love. Yeah. Always security. I didn't, my dad was only five foot seven. He's a little guy, but he was a lion. He was. I mean, didn't matter where he, we were, what we were doing. If I was behind him, there was nothing that could touch me. But also in that bravery and that courage, there was a heart that pounded beneath that tough, that toughness. I remember being a seven or eight year old boy and sitting up at night watching novelas with my mom. <laughs> That's soap opera for you American people. <laughs> We're all American people. But my dad was always to bed early by seven o'clock because he would get up at four. So he could be to work at six, even though he didn't start until seven. <laughs> and that's another thing. He taught me what, it, what the meaning of work was. He always said, you will always be to work at least half an hour before and never leave until you're done, whether it's quitting time or not. But to get back to the point, I used to sit up and watch... Uh, TV with my mom, my dad would be in bed already, and I was a, I was what you call in Spanish a chipilon. That means I was daddy's little boy. I was spoiled. I, I loved him to death. So I, I'd, I'd be there with my mom, and I'd say, Mom, can I go lie down with dad? I mean, I was seven or eight years old. I should have had my own room, but we didn't have enough rooms in the house. <laughs> but she'd say, of course, mijo. And I'd go in the bed. My dad would be asleep. I'd lay at his feet and hug his feet. And I'd fall asleep there. And uh, he wouldn't say, hey, get up and go. You're bothering me. I got to get up to go to work. No, he'd never say a word like that. He would just sit there and, and take it. So these are lessons I learned from my dad. Some mushy stuff, some heartwarming stuff, but he, he was just true. He was true. And in the end, he came to the Lord. I had the privilege of leaving the Lord on his deathbed. But I never saw a better example of a father. Quite the big difference of what a father is portrayed as today. Today, unfortunately, fathers portrayed as stumbling, bumbling idiots, oafs, goofs, dorks, 
irresponsible, drunkard, womanizers, the butt of all the jokes, that older, not-so-hip guy in the family that we have to put up with. That guy that was worthy of pity instead of honor. The lowest guy in the totem pole. Now, I've, I've given you two stark contrasts on what a father is. And I was blessed with a father. Perhaps you weren't. I don't want to make any, make any assumptions. I'm telling you what my experience was. And perhaps you're a good father, or perhaps you're that second father. And you say, Mark, wh where does that leave me? If you're alive, it leaves you with hope. It leaves you with opportunity. It leaves you with a chance to come before our godly Father, our heavenly Father, and repent. Amen? If we were to read Psalms, verses 1 through 3, we would know that he knows what you're all about. He knows where you're going. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. <laughs> he knows what makes you tick. If we read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he knew you before you were conceived in your mother's womb. So is there hope? There is hope. Reach out to him. Plead with him. Ask for instruction. He chose us in Ephesians 3, 6, uh, 1, verses 3 to 6. He chose us before the foundation of the world in Christ to be his children. In Christ. That's the key word, isn't it? Come to Christ. Come to the Lord. Psalm 68, 5, 6 says, He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. God is in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth prisoners with singing. You might think, Mark, you don't know I'm, I'm, I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan. I've never known a father. Well, this is your opportunity to get to know your heavenly father. Because it doesn't matter how great my dad was. In the light of the Lord, he was second rate. He was second rate. Because our Father in heaven is perfect. He's loving. He's compassionate. He reaches out to you. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe reaching out to you? And that brings me back to uh, the fact that we have this opportunity to become fathers, to repent. First John uh, chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You feel as though you haven't been a good dad? You feel as though your dad hasn't been a good dad? You both, we both, have an opportunity. Because in 2 Corinthians it says, 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Really, forgive your dad, seek forgiveness from your father, and you can become that father that the Lord designed you to be. You know, it's, it's a crucial thing, really. Man, this is a heavy responsibility that's been laid on us as men, as fathers. Because whether you're conscious of it or not, your actions of fa- as a father will either make it easier or more difficult for your kids to come to God. There's a direct correlation between you as a dad and our Heavenly Father because we're both fathers. And if they see you not following God, not being the dad that you're supposed to be, is that going to make it easier for them to come to God the Father? No. So it's a heavy thing. You better pray. You better repent. You better follow the Lord. That's the biggest part of your gospel. If your kids don't come to the Lord, who does the responsibility lay on? Ultimately on them, right? But to begin with, you. You've got to be that representation of God, God the Father in heaven. Perhaps you say that's unfortunate. Perhaps you think that's a privilege. Either way, it's the cold facts. As dads, we need to lead our kids to the Lord. Our behavior could be either a a tremendous advantage for our kids or a big stumbling block, a tremendous hindrance. So think about it. Think about it. Don't think just about yourselves. In no way am I here trying to impress upon you my ideas of what a father should be. It's, it's, it's the cold truth. We need to be able to lead our kids to Christ through our example. So we need to be sober, we need to be fearful, and we need to pray. But now I get to share with you what we just read from the beginning about the prodigal son. In this passage, we, we see, really, in my estimation, the greatest and most awesome and godliest example of what our Father in heaven is. Right? Let's go back to the passage. Verse 11. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions 
with prodigal living. What do we see here about this son? Was this father Abba to him? Was this father dad to him in his estimation? I dare say not, man, because his attitude shows it. To him, his father was the one that was going to flip the bill for his scandalous living, for his desires, his wants, not as requirements, not as necessities, but for his wasteful living. And as all good fathers, this father had an inheritance for his kids. But let me tell you right now, the biggest inheritance you can give your kids is to love the Lord, a knowledge of the Lord, a faith of the Lord. Living, leaving them things and money is all great and good if you can do it. But if you teach them how to work and you teach them how to love God, man, you've, you've conquered it. Unfortunately, this son, that's all he saw his dad as. You know, his, his doorway to partying, his doorway to living a life and where he wanted to live large, right? That's what he saw. And I don't know if I would have had the patience of this father or the, or the wisdom of this father to say, okay, son, that's what you want? You're not willing to wait for me to die? Go ahead and take it. Do with it what you want. And this father, I believe, had the foresight to see what would happen. We often, as dads, panic because we don't know what's going to happen. And, and, man, I can't do that. I, I, I honestly wouldn't have given him anything. But then I would have had him as a prisoner, if, wouldn't I have? This father was, was, was wise. You know what's the amazing part of this parable? The depiction of this father, the portrayal of this father is given by who? By the son. By Jesus. He is speaking of his father. In the same way that I gave a portrayal of my dad, he's giving a true portrayal of what our father God is. It's not Paul. It's not Peter. It's not John. It's straight from Jesus' mouth. Amen? So he takes off and does what he wants, right? Prodigal living. Verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Okay. He fell upon hard times, right? Didn't listen to any advice, any sound advice. He just wanted what he wanted, got what he wanted, and made a waste of it. Things got pretty hard to the point where he was willing to eat pig slop to get by. I remember uh, 
having struggles with my own kids as they grew up. They're all fully adults now. But when they were in their younger adult years, they, they would say, Dad, we know, we know, we know. Did they know? They didn't know. Let me tell you guys, if you're under 21, you don't know. Okay? Listen to your parents. But they knew, right? And the same thing happened, maybe not to this extreme, but they came upon hard times. And you know what they said? Oh, Dad, we had to learn from the school of hard knocks. That is such a lie. Tell your kids that wisdom comes from an abundance of counselors. Talk to people who already know. You don't have to walk through the slop to know that it stinks. Okay, guys? That's from a father's heart. Okay? Listen up. But this man, this young man, did one wise thing. The one wise thing we should all do. He repented. Not only did he, just, did he feel remorse for his sin and his wasteful living, but he honestly repented and he said, man, I got to go back to my dad. You see, up until this point, I think his dad was just, quote, unquote, a father to him. That's something else I wanted to mention. As fathers, we don't know we've made it until we hear our kids call us dad. Because like that quote said, any fool can be a father, but it takes a real man to be a dad. And in this case, it takes the confirmation, the affirmation of our own kids to let us know that we truly are fathers. And I think that's what's happening in this young man's heart. He said, before, he was my dad. He gave me what I needed. He fed me. He did all this. But now, I feel this, this desire to be with Abba, to be with Pops, to be with Bobby. And as a father, I tell you fathers to pray for that, for the day your kids can come to you and say, Daddy, I love you. What were they thinking? So when he had spent all, there arose through famine in that land, And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us see and be merry. For this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to be merry. This portion of the passage, I think, by far is my favorite portion, perhaps, of all the Bible. Um, I've heard teachings on the prodigal son umpteen times. I'm sure you all have. And I almost felt like it was a cop-out for me to come out and talk about it today, but I had never given a, a study on it. And I see this attitude of this father, and it just absolutely amazes me beyond belief. I mean, truly beyond belief. Because we got to remember, who's being depicted here? It's God himself that's being depicted. It's him that's being portrayed. He is the one that could have said, come grovel at my feet. Come and do penitence. Come prostrate before me, and perhaps I will forgive you. But what do we see? Perhaps the most godly thing you'll ever want to see. Perhaps the most uh, holy thing you'll ever see. Forgiveness. What's the, what's the first thing we learn as Christians? Forgiveness. If we haven't learned that, start again at the beginning. Come before God and ask for forgiveness. It's amazing. I mean, as soon as he was aware of his son's change of heart, he didn't ask him to go do works. He didn't ask him to go do anything. He saw the attitude from afar. The Lord will see your attitude from afar and come close. And he sprinted to meet his son. He came upon him, fell on his neck. Can you guys picture that? You guys ever hugged your kids just around the neck and just wanted to squeeze, squeeze the daylights out of them? And kiss them and hold them and kiss them and hold them? And that was, that was God being portrayed here. He kissed him. He put sandals on his feet, robes on his back, and rings on his fingers. I mean, he... Transferred him from being a pig slopper to rock star status in a matter of a blink of an eye. That's how special we are to God. Not because we're special in of ourselves, but because he has poured his love upon us. Amen? It's an amazing thing, guys. It's, it's truly, truly amazing who we serve, who we come to worship. The God of the universe? Just to finish up, how many of you guys want to see your kids doing well? Right? You want to see them with a good job, go to a good school, find the perfect wife or perfect husband? 
But all that, what? It's good, but it will perish. It will perish. But if we go to the epistle of John, John 3. This is John the Apostle speaking. I hope you guys take this home. Keep it in your hearts. And kids, when you hear this, just know that this is the most important thing to a father's heart. John writes to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, who was an elder of a church. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Verse 4, speaking from a father's perspective, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, dear Father, we thank you so much, Father, for this morning, this amazing opportunity, Father, to give you the honor and the glory, Father, to be before you, Father, with humble and contrite hearts, to lift up our voices, to be thankful for our dads, just to um, live a life, Father, that is pleasing to you, and just be thankful for your grace, Father. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.